Hello, and welcome to the Spark of Hope podcast, presented by Penile Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Dorian Coleman, Director of Public Relations. With each episode, we hope to encourage and inspire through the powerful personal stories of some really special people who have survived destructive, addictive lifestyles and are now enjoying the profound peace that is only found in permanent freedom from substance use. I am so excited for this episode today, and I'm so excited to be talking with our guest today, who is Taylor. Um, she is not only a graduate of Penile and alumni now, um, but she is also a mom. She is a volunteer staff trainee, and she is a pioneer here at Penile. And so we are delighted to be able to have this opportunity to sit down with her for a few minutes for you to hear, hear a little bit about her story and how she came through the program and what she's done since then. And so let me just take this opportunity to say thank you, uh, Taylor, for being willing to do this. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, well, I'm excited for the folks to hear a little bit more about you and a little bit more about your background. Um, so if you would, just if you wouldn't mind, just kind of jump right in and just share a little bit about um, the genesis, if you will, of what uh, <laughs> got you started or on your way uh, to coming into Penal. A little bit about maybe of your upbringing or a little bit about of just to, to paint a picture for the listener of kind of who you were as a younger person before you even came into treatment here. It was just chaos most of my most of my life for probably up until really I came to Penile. That's all I've known. It's just pure chaos, like and that like bred something even while I was here in treatment. Um, so growing up, I was born in Columbus, Ohio. Um, definitely a lot of drugs and stuff in and out of the home. Like that's what I remember. I remember like. The house was always like smoky from just like a bunch of just different drugs and stuff. Um, we were eventually removed from the home. Um, I believe at that time it was myself, my oldest sister, my older brother, my oldest brother, and my younger brother. Um, we were all removed from the home eventually. I ended up getting going into foster care at the age of I believe it was, it was about two because I I still remember the lady that came to the door. Oddly, most people don't even remember it too, but I do remember being taken away, and I remember being at the first group home. And I remember we were at like this like oblong looking table, and the lady like gave us a bunch of goldfish to crackers to eat. So like, I do remember that. Um, and I remember always just crying and asking, like, where my siblings were. Um, I just remember just chaos. Um, I went through multiple homes. They made us, like, a life book, my sister and I. They made us a life book. Um, and it just was, like, saying that, like, I was in a lot of homes. Um, and then, like, so uh, I was about, I was seven years old. Um, me and my sister had been with our last foster mom for a couple of years. Um, and I remember we kept asking her if she was going to adopt us. And she kept telling us, no, that she wasn't a, a home that adopted kids. Like she just got us ready for adoption. And by the grace of God, my sister and I and my little brother, actually, but we were all adopted. And most kids don't get adopted around the age of eight. Like most people want like babies or like toddlers so it was really just like looking back god's hand on my life like that i even was adopted but i was adopted out of harrisburg um we lived in columbus ohio and then my mom lived in pennsylvania so she got us all and we all came to pennsylvania um growing up with my mom 
she was older she was 55 when she got us okay um so there wasn't a lot of stuff she could do because she had like health health issues oh, though too okay. but like she tried to make it as fun as she could um like looking back a lot of the stuff because of all the stuff that i had already been through when i got to her i was like in my mind like i was already grown okay. so there wasn't really much like i felt she could do for me okay you know so i just was already like completely like whatever like this it, is at what age this is about eight, eight. Okay. yeah so uh my adoption was finalized um i think i was almost 10 in february of 2001 or two i'm not too for sure i forget um but growing up in my mom's house it was it was chaos mm-hmm. it was chaos and not and like honestly like if i'm being honest until i came here it was all her fault mm. like it was all her fault it was all everyone you, else's fault you mean like yeah when you look back on it or even in that moment yeah that's like the thought that yeah the know. thought okay. again and it still does like yeah. i'm still like mm, no that's no, i really have something to do with that or yeah are you okay. sure that's on that's on me yeah. but like if i'm gonna walk in truth yeah then i have to know that like uh, most of it was just mine just being devious okay because I was so used to chaos, like if things were calm in the house, that was I'm not with it. Like, what's that. going on? Yeah. Like, oh, we're about to start something. Okay. Like, yeah. she said this. Like, and like I said, like that carried over even to here, and it took like the honesty of my leadership here to be like, "Girl, you love chaos," yeah. and I'm like, "No, I don't." And like, look at this. Yeah. Like, look at this pattern. <laughs> yeah. They're like, <laughs> "Why are you in stuff?" Yeah. So, I mean, but it just still was just chaos. And I was 17. I ended up going back into foster care. Mm. And I met my, I call them still to this day, my parents, Tony and Melissa. Um, They were just phenomenal people. They're still in my life to this day. They still uh, love and support me. Um, But they're beautiful people. And I remember them always telling me, like, you were like the most talented and you have them such potential, but like, where does your brain go? Like, <laughs> where does your thought yeah. process go? Like, I don't understand. Like, just hanging out with the wrong people. I'm always like, no, they're a good person and I can help them. Mm-hmm. But my dad always told me, like, before you change them, they'll wind up changing you. Yeah. But I never understood that. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I don't do drugs. I don't I don't drink. And then here I'm in the club with a fake ID, mm-hmm. you know. And then I'm like, I'm never going to do drugs. And I'm telling them, like, don't do this. Don't be snorting coke. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then I look up and I'm right along with them because then they're calling me the boring friend. So it was like all this kind of built up and one, like, just at one time. And it literally was a split second that it just took off and the pivotal point on why it really took off i was like tricked into thinking that what someone had sold me was coke but it was heroin Wow! and i almost got hit by a car because i nodded out walking across the street the next morning i remember waking up and i just wanted i wanted some i wanted something else like i wanted something else um, at that point in time, I didn't go back to the heroin. Like I kept doing the Percocet, but it was I was doing more because I wanted that same yeah. effect of yeah. the heroin. Um, so after Mike broke my heart, I remember 
called my mom and I was like, I'm just leaving. Like I'm moving. So I packed up and I was about to move to North Carolina. My mom got sick. I went to the hospital and she was on a regular floor at the time. In a matter of like a couple of minutes, they were moving her to ICU. They're like saying that she's not doing good. The next thing I know, my mom's on a ventilator. So my mom lived about a month after that and she passed June 9th. After that, it was just like pedal to the metal. Like I was just, I just, the drugs just took off. Like I was just like, all right, this is it. Like I don't have any family. I'm spending like for years, like I spent Thanksgiving alone or with like a friend or at one of their houses. But like, I just, it was like, just a total disconnect. Yeah, it was from from anything positive. positive. From life yeah, like something. Just any. Yep. It. it was just like, all right. If I'm gonna be a drug addict, I'm gonna be the best drug addict I can be. And then I started dealing drugs. And then I'm like, well, if I'm gonna be a drug dealer, I'm gonna be the best drug dealer I can be. You know. So, so like I felt like this beckoning though in my spirit this whole the whole time. Like there has to be more than this. I I I remember that moment sitting on the couch, crying, just listening to gospel music. Like at like asking God, like there's no way that this is what you have for me. I knew something was coming, but when I got out of jail, it was like now I'm smoking crack. Okay, and now it's just like off to the races like it is a done deal it was like a hundred times worse than being addicted to opiates like i'd i had to tell i told my counselor like i'm like floored to this day to like the difference in between like what how far things can go with each drug and then i have my daughter soul and she was born in 2017 um, I ended up going to Teen Challenge, but I was not ready to surrender mm-hmm. to the Lord. Um, but when I got out, I had soul. I was overwhelmed. You know, there wasn't really like that support there that like you get out of jail and it's like, all right, you're a mom. You got to do this, this, this and this, you know. And I just went back to what I knew. Sure. So I'm just like, I'm just going to get high. And but this time around. I couldn't make a dime drug dealing. Mm. I'm doing just unreal things to get high. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking care of my daughter. I'm leaving her like in the house like to go get drugs. Like just low points. Just low 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 points. Low, low points. Yeah. Like just and then I get pregnant. Mm. And then I'm like angry. Like you got to be kidding me. I don't want this. Like, I don't want this baby. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do with another kid? Yeah, it's really something how that lifestyle convinces you that that's a negative thing. Yeah. And I mean, I know better, and we'll get to that here in a second, I'm sure, but I know better just how good a mom you are and how wonderful you are with your children and how much you love your children. But that, just, if you could, just talk a little bit about how just that that deception, that lie <laughs> works that that this is something you don't want, that it's an inconvenience or a nuisance. Because I think a lot of people, if they're honest, you know, those thoughts can flash through their mind in a moment like that. Uh, because it is, it's probably, I'm sure it's probably terrifying and and, yeah. and just, and all those things. It's, 
it's a selfishness it like is. a deep-seated like just selfishness that it's not even you. Hmm. It's yeah. not even you. You're not even that selfish. Like, but the deception behind getting high yeah. makes you think that like that's the only thing. Sure. Like, yeah, wow. in your mind, you think that like the world will come to an end if I don't get high. Yeah. You really think that life that like life is an inconvenience yeah, to your life to like keeping you from getting literally what you, you, you weighed out like on a scale crack a human child yeah, wow. and to you crack was worth more like that's how that's deceiving how it is, it is yeah. that you think somewhere that 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 it doesn't even last for 30 minutes yeah. is worth something the life like worth the life of a child like it's so it's such a robber like it's so robbing because i could have been like happy and wanting to like get ready for my kids but instead like i was sad and depressed and angry yeah. like i feel as as though i robbed myself because it, it to a point it's my it was my decision to do the drugs yeah I you know so but I felt like I robbed myself of that connection mm -hmm. because a fetus knows that it's not wanted, mm -hmm. you know, scientifically, you know, they have mm -hmm. proven that um, they, they can feel unwanted. And then you have to, when God like pushes all that stuff out and thank God that God is God, because yeah. then he it's almost like a covering over that child. No, 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 that you are wanted that you really are wanted and for me coming here when i say god literally like dug in and like tore the lies literally from the bone yeah. of my being like he really like broke the mold inside of me to show me like these really you have been lied to and deceived yeah. for yeah. so many years yeah. like even with the relationship between you and i like yeah. even you think of me truly as like a regular man like walking around you know like you don't even see me that i'm stronger bigger smarter like my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts you know but you put me in this box and this was the same way i felt that I put the life of my children. I never even thought about their lives not being their lives, that they were here for a bigger purpose. Wow, look at that, yeah. I never once yeah. thought that. So let's let's get into that then, because I want to get into you getting into treatment and then what that looks like, because that's, that's kind of a remarkable uh, uh, situation and a story, yeah. I'm sure, there too. So because um, I know when you came in, you were already how far along at that point? I was about already? five months, four or five months five pregnant. Months. Okay. 20 this, weeks. I was 20 weeks. Okay. And so this is what I was talking about at the top of the program is that you really are a pioneer here at Panayo because you were, for lack of a better way of saying it, um, you know, the pilot program for our expectant mothers program. Um, and, I, you know, I said at the beginning about how proud we are of you and how much, um, you know, we celebrate all the accomplishments that you've had throughout treatment. But 
you were the, the, the impetus or the beginning of this program and, and talk about what it was like to, to, I imagine that has to be, I don't want to use the word like terrifying, but at least make you nervous to come into a program, to be here for at least 13 months, to commit to that, to know that at some point in that time, you're going to give birth to your child, uh, that you're going to begin the process of raising him here before you leave and not even really sure how long, you know, that you're going to be here even after treatment, that sort of thing. So just talk about your mindset, even if you would, just when you first came in, what was it like? Just, I'm interested in that when you first <laughs> came and like, you know, what, what was your mindset like then? Um, honestly, if I'm just going to be raw with you, mm-hmm. my first instinct was what does this program have that everybody else doesn't? Mm-hmm. Because I did it before a teen challenge when I was pregnant with yeah, Soul. Yeah, okay, so you've done it. You know, so it, it really was like, all right, I know you've called me here, but, like, I'm going to need you to, like, show me yeah. what this program has that everybody else didn't have. Um, I was, like, nervous because I'm just, like, I didn't know my biggest worry because when I had called in and I had spoken – um, with Mrs. Cooper, she didn't say that I could ha- I could keep him. Okay. They, she just all she said was, "We will review it closer to okay. your closer to your due date." So, I had to make a conscious decision: was was I going to do this? Yeah. Okay. Whether or not. Yeah. They were you guys were going to let me keep Dealing him. With that uncertainty. That uncertainty. Like, yeah. So for months, I'm like, are they going to let me keep him? Or do I got to send him home? You know? And I'm like making like A, B, and C plans, you know, and not trusting God. Because at this point, like, I'm not there yet with the Lord that to trust him and what he was trying to do. Sure. I. When I walked into these doors, though, I finally kind of knew that Genesis life was more than what I would have ever expected it to be. Mm -hmm. That the child that I was so angry about having and I didn't want was about to literally give birth to an entire new chapter for a program that has been open for 40 years. My son is like a real life John the Baptist Minus the beheading, Lord, thank uh, yeah. you. I but have like, chills, though. I mean, that's so amazing <laughs> when you think about that. When like, I like, when I look back, that seed, that seed that I mean? was literally yeah. planted, that the Holy Spirit entered my son while he was in the that's womb, scary. that he literally like. It's just so amazing to think about the lives that he changes, you yeah. know, as a as a baby. You know, I've seen some staff that were like, I felt they were hard. They're so soft. Just seeing him walk, going up and down the hallways, mm-hmm. you know, it was just so scary because I'm like, how am I going to, they're like, you got to go on vacation mm-hmm. and you got to make sure that you're up at seven yep. and you got to be ready in 10 minutes <laughs> you and you have to do That's the program. Right. And yep. I'm like. I just want to lay. I just want to lay in my bed, y'all. Do you realize I'm pregnant, right? Like anybody going to the store for me? Yeah. And it. And I get some ice cream. Yeah, no. Like I was like, oh, y'all know about swollen feet. Yeah. Okay, no, go on vacation. But I did it. 
Yeah. You know? And, 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 and nobody can take that away from you. And, and even there was a conversation that you and I had, I think, leading up to a different event that we were doing. And you mentioned something to that effect about how proud you were, I think it was maybe even the word you used, of being the first one in that program because nobody can say that you didn't do it. And also, I think what's so amazing about that, Taylor, is that nobody can say you didn't do it under incredible duress, under incredible circumstances, under you know, just, just so many different factors that were probably working against you. And you came through all of that. I mean, that to me is just, it's really amazing. It really is. I mean, like my pregnancy wasn't, it was not smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. Um, but just knowing that I remember I was laying in the bed and this was the point where I was like, all right, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this win, lose, or draw, mm -hmm. I was laying in the bed and I was hurting and I was just like, I can't. And Miss Cooper came in my room and was like, well, if you can't, then we're going to have to rethink your treatment. I hopped out that bed so fast. <laughs> I was like, no, you're not about to have to no. rethink anything. Let's do this. this we will figure it out. I took a pillow with me if yeah. I needed to take a pillow to sit. But like, I was just like, I'm going to do this because the Lord started to show me that like, you set the tempo of what That's is about it. to happen. That's right. You know, there, when I when I see another woman come in this program, I want her to know that you can. Oh, I was running circles around some of the one, the lot, and then none of us was pregnant. Well, we you know, do that, okay. <laughs> you know, but yeah. like, I just, I knew that like, it was worth putting the effort yeah. into, yeah. and I now know that it was for a greater cause yeah. than I could ever even live out. That's just incredible. When you think about some of the things even that you shared just moments ago and feeling like, you know, your, your only sort of role in this world was being addicted to drugs or your only role in this world was being a queen pin. And to think now that your role is not only to be a mother to your children, to Genesis, to your other, but to, but to also be this pioneer, like I said, and this trendsetter, this person who is, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, literally paving the way for who knows how many other women that might come into a program mm -hmm. like you did that may not exist were it not for for you to, to, to be the one to, to, to blaze that path. Amen. That's incredible. That really is incredible. Amen. <laughs> Um, so talk about that a little bit, too, if you wouldn't mind, because um, I know this is something we've talked about before, too, about um, some of the roadblocks that sometimes exist for women coming into treatment that are unique in many ways to women yeah. that, you know, in a lot of ways aren't the same for men and aren't the same for everyone. Um, but talk, if you would, about your passion, because we had talked about this before, about how strongly you feel about women getting into treatment and doing whatever they have to to, to make that happen. Yeah. Um I mean, as we know, like women typically are the caretakers of their children. Um, not saying that at all, taking away from men that, you know, there sure. are definitely single fathers out there. Sure. There are fathers that are stay at home dads, you know, and but for the most part, it's on the women. And in many cases, yeah. And in many right, cases, yeah. they're single mothers sometimes. And but I feel like. 
knowing what I know and knowing the extent and how far I took things to get drugs, Mm -hmm. knowing the danger I put myself into, knowing, knowing the lows that I went to, Mm. to get them. It boggles my, it boggles my mind that we have so many excuses when it's time for you to go and get help. Mm -hmm. I don't have no one to take care of my child. I don't know what I'm going to do, but you know how to go and steal an air conditioning out of Walmart. (laughs) It's our priorities, Mm -hmm. you know, and what we deem to be of an, of any importance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like our children deserve for us to go to the end of the earth the same way we went to the ends of the earth for a five minute high Mm -hmm. and i feel that no it's not ideal for your child to go to foster care but i would much rather have placed my son and my daughter in foster care Mm -hmm. and would have came to this program and got what i needed so i could have them the rest of their life than for them to come home from school mommy's not there because i'm dead because i overdosed while they were at school or you know children youth are stepping in now because things have gotten too far you know they're not eating they're being neglected something's happened or you know there's just so many things that have happened to kids out there kids getting burned by crack pipes because you know it's just there's not there's nothing that you should not be willing to do to get that help Mm. and if you really are seeking that and then you have to know that god will open the doors to make sure that your child is taken care of you know but people look at foster care and stuff like that sometimes and they deem it to be this bad thing yeah but i challenge people sometimes to just think about what is your child being in a home and they're fed, they're taken care of, you know, what is that versus you just, ha- you being right for them yeah, and you never happening to worry about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that, you know, you just reach out there. Everybody has somebody, there's someone, cause I do feel that like God places people in our lives that sure. are trying to like, show us that he is who he says he is there's someone in there that's like lucy i'm here if you need me yeah do you there's like someone like there's do you think i don't mean but do you think there's a a hard or difficulty there for people to really believe that do you think that's like a self-worth thing do you think that i mean just i I definitely do believe that i do i definitely do because it wasn't like when people were like taylor i got you like i was like all right yeah. You know, <laughs> so what I hear you saying is like to push past that barrier of feeling like you're a burden on somebody who maybe really does care about you, mm-hmm. who maybe really does have your best interests at heart. And and I think I think you do have a point there that probably if we look back in all of our lives along the way, there probably was someone there or some people there who would have helped us at the time of our greatest need. But we just maybe didn't trust or believe or feel like we could depend on them. We, You know, something got in the yeah. way of that. But I hear you saying you got to kind of push past those barriers and, yeah. and allow yourself to to trust someone to help you get the help you need. Absolutely. Like, I just feel that, like, 
there's always someone willing to help, you know? And I know that, you, especially in addiction, because that's another deceitful thing yeah, that I feel like, like a, yeah. that those trust issues, like, right, yeah. you know, people robbing you, people, like, you have, you build up a certain amount of, like, you just have a, that lack of trust. Yeah, it's probably impossible to really take people at their word. Yeah, at their yeah. word. And I get that. But for my kids, for my kids and to know that they would have a secure future with me looking back and I would tell a woman out there, take that, take that gamble. You gamble with your life doing drugs every day. You might as well take a gamble on getting your life right. Yeah. That's good. You know? (laughs) Okay. So, um, talk then about if you would, um, what for you is sort of the long-term outlook? Because I know we've talked before about um, the summer camp that you're now sort of running here at Penile. <laughs> um, but also just what, is, what does the future look like for you? What does it look like moving forward from here for Tim? Um, when I came into the program, uh, God revealed that I'm very good at crafts. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I have always That's had a love true. for drawing and okay. things like that, but um, he evolved this talent that I just thought it was just painting and drawing mm-hmm. until I really have found a love for party planning party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's and I can attest, it's a skill you definitely possess. That's for sure. Um, I love decorating. Mm-hmm. I love that feeling that someone has asked you to create um something amazing just something Mm -hmm. tangible something that wows people you know it i love that um so i do feel like that maybe god has called me to do like party planning and like decorating and stuff like that events (laughs) yes events um and then i had uh started a summer camp um the idea was it was all all the Lord, honestly. I I really can't take credit for that. It just came from here and staff. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do with my kids this summer, you know. And the Lord laid it on my heart to do a summer camp. Mm-hmm. So I presented the idea, and you know everyone was on board, and it's going really really well. Yeah. Like I it was it's going. S- a lot better than what I expected because I was a little <laughs> nervous because sure. like the first week like. Everybody was just running around, (laughs) you know, but, um, after the, I felt like the kids actually got, um, comfortable Mm -hmm. and the respect was like laid down, you know, I mean, you've seen, I've popped in a couple (laughs) of times and I mean, there's a structure to it though too. Yeah. Um, so the consistency, Mm -hmm. they know, um, we we do like good mornings, gives Mm -hmm. the chance, the kids a chance to tell me how they're feeling, tell each other how they're feeling gives um i ask them you know how was their night they let me know how their night went um and then i ask them how they're doing for the day and they tell me good or mm-hmm. nothing yeah. um and then i just ask them how can we help them um to teach them that it's okay to talk about their feelings good. um and it also gives the other kids an opportunity to step up and be there for someone else um, and then I lead them in prayer because, um, you know, you always give the Lord his dues. Um, and it definitely sets the tone for the day. Um, we definitely do academics because mm-hmm. it's summer. We can't 
slack off on academics academics. um you know just trying to get them ready for the for the next school year um started going to the library uh they love that um just getting books happening to read and stuff like that um a couple one of my campers he's he plays basketball so today i had him running drills for basketball (laughs) to keep him (laughs) keep him in shape he's like miss taylor i'm tired (laughs) get get to the line (laughs) um you know it's just i want their imagination to be big and because i'm a big kid myself you know so i want their imagination to be big and broad you know but it also it also is um very humbling because there was a time i wouldn't even trust myself on my own kids so it's a real humbling experience that um that i can get up every day and do this I'm sorry, but like I just looked back and ju- it was just it just hit me that like almost two years ago I wasn't even trusting me with my own kids, you know, and uh, these babies, you know, they are they're like my babies, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for them, you know. Um, it's an honor to wipe tears, and put bandages on their knees, <laughs> you know, and they have someone that they can trust. Yeah. They had, they know that I'm going to show up for them, yeah. you know, and I had to learn that it, ta- it taught me the value of showing up for my own kids, yeah. you know, for my daughter to show up when, when mommy says that she's going to do something, mm-hmm. you, she can take it to the bank now, mm-hmm. you know, and my son for a year now, he doesn't know anybody but me and people here at Penile, uh, yeah, you true. know, they, that's we are his, you know, this yeah, is his family, family yeah. as far as he's ever known, you know, yeah. and, um, it's a, Penile has given me the chance to understand that what God said, a parent was supposed to be in his word mm. and understand that God is going to hold me accountable for what my kids learn and, and what I instilled in them. Did I instill in them to do what he asked of them to do, that I instill in them to use their talents to his glory, you know, and Pinal showed me that. They showed me that it's not a game to have a child. It's not a Facebook thing to be like, oh, look how cute my kids look in their Jordans. Like, it's not a game. It's not for show. Like, this is real. And that you really are setting the tone for somebody's life, their entire life. You know, and thank God that my kids are small and they really don't, they won't remember what I've done. And I just thank God, though, because he has also given me a covering that in some ways I don't even remember what I've done. Yeah. Because you carry that, especially sure. when children are involved. Sure. You know, you, you definitely do carry that. And um, yesterday... Yesterday I was at the library with the kids mm-hmm. and um there was a uh an older man there and he was mentally challenged. Mm-hmm. And uh I came out the bathroom and I was literally in the bathroom just thinking like about being a light into yeah. the world. And I come out of the bathroom and, and uh my bag was sitting at the table where he was sitting and I was going to move tables but you know something was like go sit with him. Mm-hmm. So I went and sat with him, and uh, he said to me, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, go ahead. He said, are you a Christian? 
I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, I can tell. Hmm. And I just wanted to be like, you go, God. Right. <laughs> point for you, sir. You know, because yeah. like you, he does shine through, does. you know, yeah. he is shining through me. Yeah, um, and it's a, it's a galaxy away from who I used to be. And he does. And I want to say that to you too, Taylor. God definitely does shine through you. And that's an awesome thing to be able to say. And it's an awesome thing to be able to experience as well. Um, there's something that you said before too at another time. I can't remember when, but um, that, that, that basically you feel like, or you, I think you said, we're saying that your job is sort of to interrupt the cycle of damage that you've experienced and to, to break those um, those things for your family, for your children, for the ones that will come after you. And it really is a blessing that they'll never know They'll never know that, Taylor. They'll never know that person uh, that used drugs or abused drugs and alcohol. They'll never know that person as long as they live because they'll only know you as who you really are, yeah. uh, which is this incredible woman of God that sits before me, an awesome mother, an incredible summer camp counselor, <laughs> oh, and glory an to absolute God. world changer here at Penile. So as we're bringing this to a close, I want to give you just a minute or two. Uh, just to speak out to that person who right now might be listening and maybe I don't know what whatever's on your heart maybe they're maybe there's somebody who has a family member that they're worried about or maybe they're that person and they're worried about themselves uh, or maybe they're a mom and they just are at the end of their rope um, they're struggling with addiction they don't know what to do they don't know where to go they don't even know what their next step should be what would you want to hear what could somebody say to you that would help you in that moment or what would you want to say to somebody who you feel like is sort of at the end of their rope? I was just, God had given me, I remember being really at the end of my rope here mm -hmm. because I was like, what, what did you, like, what do you want from me, Lord? And Isaiah 42, six says, I've set you apart for righteousness. I know that it's hard to see when things are so dark and when death literally is like knocking at your front door, like, and I know that, and you can feel that pain just creeping in. And, but if you spent that much time hurting and it's almost at your disposal on how much you're hurting, at times, because especially with drugs, like a lot of the stuff that we get into is like self-inflicted be because it is like a, a branch from the one thing you're searching for. You know, the fighting, the, the arguing, the cussing, the fussing, the just the, the manic, like the all of it. Um, but I would say that where death is, there's life. Mm there's always still life breathing and here I know at Penile, I know that the night before I was picked up by probation where it led me into these doors, I laid on my mom's grave and I cried and I asked her, I said, if you never ask God for anything else and if my life is worth even having, then you'll ask him to save me. Mm. And the very next night probation came and picked me up. So I know that there is a God mm -hmm. because I was walking down the street at six o'clock in the morning with a shotgun mm -hmm. telling 
my daughter's father's mom that I just can't do this anymore. So I know I was a liar, a thief, but I am none of those things now. And you can be none of those things. You truly even aren't any of those yeah. things. It's just that deception. Like you really aren't even those things that you even, that the devil even tries to make you think you are. But like to walk through these doors, it's so much love. Like I was just telling one of the other staff last night, it's so nice to have, be out and to have a friend. And you're not friends because your drug choice is what you have in common. You can and you will do this and you're going to have to fight but the fight's worth it. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, let me just say, Taylor, this has been amazing. Thank you for your transparency, for your honesty, uh, for so many weighty things that you shared, uh, that you were willing to share. Um, and just thank you for the encouragement. I yes. feel encouraged, and I hope somebody who's listening does uh, today, too. There is always hope, uh, no matter what your situation, no matter what the plight may seem, no matter how dark uh, it may seem there is always yes. hope. There's always a way out of that situation. And I think you really just put that so eloquently today in everything that you shared. So thank you so much. For My pleasure. Thank this. you for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And it's, I pray that this really does open the doors for somebody else to come in through these doors and just leave it behind. Amen. Just Amen. leave it behind. Amen. Well, uh, you've been listening to the Spark of Hope podcast presented by Penile Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. The transformation taking place every day at Penile is made possible in large part by the incredibly generous support of a number of special people with really big hearts. Our Adopt-A-Resident monthly giving program starts at just $15 per month and provides treatment scholarships for men and women in need. Head on over to our website for more info or to get started today, www.penilerehab.com. And if you or someone you know needs treatment for substance use issues, please contact us right away. 814-536-2111. Today could be the first day of your brand new sober life. And like we said, remember, there is always hope. Broken lives are being restored every day at Penile. Thank you for listening.